continue the shiur on the subject of Rosh Hashanah. So, we have a succession of verses, Pesukim, in Sefer Ezra. And it talks about how Ezra, Hasofer, the leader of the Jews in exile, and the prophet Nehemiah read the Sefer Torah on Rosh Hashanah for the people. And they started bawling, crying, because they realized how many sins they did. And then comes Ezra and tells them, Do not get depressed. The joy of Hashem is your power. Eat good stuff, eat fatty stuff. And drink sweet things. Because today is holy for Hashem. Now, they were bawling, crying, and it seems at first glance that he told them, today is Rosh Hashanah, you don't cry. But if you look carefully at the words, you'll see that's not what he said. And now don't cry. He said, don't get depressed. And... He was explaining to them that the trepidation of Rosh Hashanah is not to be confused (coughs) with sadness, with depression. It's only fear. Fear is good. No sadness, no depression, no despair. They were despairing because they did so many terrible sins in the exile. And this is what we read now in the Itzot Mevo'arot, in Mu'adeh Hashem Rosh Hashanah, about the outcome of the decision of whether it's okay to cry on Rosh Hashanah. Bimei Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippurim in the days of Rosh Hashanah Kippur and the ten days of repentance, a person really does need to cry. He knows only too well his own failings. Though we do not mention vidui and we don't say any confession, it's forbidden to say confession, but not only you're allowed to, but you have to do teshuvah. Teshuvah is in your heart. You have to repent for, for your sins. <clears throat> if this <clears throat> brings a person to crying, so be it. If this brings a person to crying, so be it. And it's in fact a good idea. Like a young child, na'ar bocher. Each person has to cry like a child cries in front of his father. What do we mean? We mean a child cries. You know, uh, you say, people say, you know what, adult grown people don't cry. A kid cries. Why well, doesn't have that much seichel? Well, you know what? On Rosh Hashanah, we stand in front of Hashem and we say and admit to him, I don't have too much seichel. I don't have too much seichel. I did a lot of things which were very foolish. And I don't have too much seichel. I'm a little kid that's crying. Simple, simple, simple. Stand in front of Hashem and say, "We don't." Though again, we don't say the sin. Feel contrite for your sins and cry in front of Hashem. <coughs> you know what this does for a person? It does a great favor for him besides his judgment on Rosh Hashanah. <coughs> A person who cries properly on the days of Or, Rosh Hashanah, the ten days of repentance, and Yom Kippur, what happens is 
he merits to a beautiful etrog. And you say, one minute, I could merit to a beautiful etrog. It's all in the wallet. Huh. You could ask a question. You say, what does he mean if I cry properly on the days of awe, like a na'ar bochel, like a young, a youth crying, and I <coughs> and divest myself with all my seichel, <coughs> and, and say, I don't know anything. You stand in front of Hashem feeling contrite and regret over your actions. You'll merit to a great etrog. I have another way, seemingly, to merit to a great etrog. Go to the etrog guy and say, give me the best etrog you have, baby. 300? No, no issue. Here's the 300, I'm out of here. The answer is, it's not so simple. A person could buy what seems to be the most beautiful etrog, and then he opens it up the first day of Sukkot and says, Hey, I didn't see that thing. What a staff! 300 for that? You can't beat the system. You cannot, if a person does not deserve a good etrog, guess what? He's not getting it. Of course, the mitzvah is that the person should do his shtadlut and pay a lot of money for etrog. That is indeed the mitzvah. But whether you're going to get it or not, Factually, depends upon your conduct. In Rosh Hashanah, I said it to me, Teshubah, and Yom Kippur. If you have the concept of Na'ar Bukher, a child who is crying in front of Hashem, <clears throat> uh, taking away the, the, his wisdom and his seichel, not now explaining the mechanics. In the Sihot Haran, it explains more the mechanics of this. We don't have time to go through it. Time is lim- limited. But suffice it to say, the more a person is in this aspect of Na'ar Bukhe, like a little child crying, casting away his seichel, feeling in front of Hashem that he knows nothing, he merits a nicer and more beautiful etrog. <clears throat> but there's another way to cry. On Rosh Hashanah, Aseret Teshubah, and Yom Kippur. Crying in ecstasy, in joy of the enjoyment and the connection to Hashem. Those who married to be in the holy places, no one understands what this feeling means. person feels such a closeness to Hashem. He is uplifted, he is inspired. And just like a meeting a lost relative after many years at the airport, they cry. Why is he crying? Your relative is here. Don't cry. The emotion comes out from the great love and happiness. There's a, such a thing as crying out of happiness. This also is an aspect of Rosh Hashanah. Mm-hmm. Crying out of happiness, of the ecstasy, of the connection with Hashem. We should merit to have such a thing. In fact, one of the pesukim that is recited by Tekiah Shofar is an allusion to this exact idea of not only crying in contrition and regret over the sins, but crying in absolute joy and connection to Hashem. Beshimcha yegilun kol hayom. Again, Beshimcha yegilun kol hayom. In your name, they will be joyous the entire day. The first letters spell out crying. In your name, they are joyous the entire day. The first letters spell out Bechiyah. Bet, Chaf, Yud, Beshimcha, Bet, Yegilun, Yod, and Kol, Chaf, and Hayom is He. Together, it's Bechiyah, crying, which means what does crying have to do with joy? The answer is there's a concept of crying out of joy, and this also can manifest itself on the great day of Rosh Hashanah. On Rosh Hashanah, we have a contrast, as we said before. A contrast of the day where we have fear and yet we have 
assurance that if we will have the proper fear that Hashem will make a miracle for us and help us to have a, a good year. No, really the question is, what occurred on Rosh Hashanah that makes it a day of judgment? We have a mahlukit in the Gemara between Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yehoshua. When the world was created. It's well known as a mahlukit when the world was created in Nisan. That means the, the month that Pesach falls in, or in Tishri, which is the month of Rosh Hashanah. Again, give me a chance. Again, it says, one opinion says, Tishri the others say, Nisan. I'm going to address what you're saying in a minute. So according to one opinion, number one Tishri is a creation of the world. According to the other opinion, one Nisan. So if you say it's one Tishri, I understand why the day of judgment is that day. Because that's the day that, uh, that Adam HaRishon sinned, and that's the day that he was uh, 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 given his reprieve and Teshubah. So Hashem, it's a day of appro- rapprochement, so therefore Hashem chose this to be the day of judgment. But if you hold that Rosh Hashanah, <laughs> the world was created in Tishri, like the other, I'm sorry, Nisan, like the other opinion, what would be the explanation of why is Rosh Hashanah? Comes Rabbeinu Tam in Tosafot and explain, and the Arizal concurs with this. What does he say? He says there were two stages of creation. In Tishri, in Rosh, what we call Rosh Hashanah, that we blow the shofar, that was the creation of the world, the inner creation of the world. The creation of the world in the world of thought. Like an artist makes a blueprint, and then acts according to that blueprint, that thought process, the inner creation, that was on the Rosh Hashanah that we blow the shofar. The actual creation of the world was in Nisan. That's how Rabbi Nutam reconciles Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yoshua. He says, really, there's no mahlokit. They're talking about the, the, the two different things. So it comes out, according to this, that the world was actually created physically in Nisan. But the most important thing for Hashem was the day of thought, the realm of thought where the world was conceived. When Hashem thinks something, that's like it's done already. It, it, it's, it's like, you know, it's, uh, it's flour that's already uh, uh, ground and you see it later as flour, but by Hashem it's already done. So Mordechai brings up a point, he says, one minute. World was not created on one Tishri. The world was created on 25 Elul. So why are you telling me the world was created on one Tishri, either in thought or in action? It's not true. It was created 25 Elul. That's black and white. And the answer is, of course, yes, the world was created, meaning the sun, the moon, the hippopotami, the armadillos, the flowers, everything was created before. But on the sixth day of creation was one Tishri. And that's the day that man, who is the purpose and pinnacle of creation, was created. That's called the creation of the world. Because Adam Rishon was created on this day, even though you had the armadillos and the sun and the moon and daffodils, that's not what the world is about. The world is about man. And therefore, since one Tishri was the creation and concept of the world, because whatever happened actually, also they had the same conceptual creation during Elul and Rosh Hashanah. The concept of the something from nothing was on the 25 Elul. 
the concept of man was created on one uh, Tishri. Even though it wasn't actually created till Nisan, we're not concerned with that. We're concerned with the thought process. And that's why we say, Hayom harat olam. Today the world was conceived. It, we don't say, Hayom nebra ha'olam. It should say that today the world was created. It doesn't say, I say, Hayom harat olam. The word harat means what? Conception. Herayon is conception. Today the world was conceived in thought. So Rosh Hashanah is the day of thought. Oh, so it's the realm of thought. Now you could understand how we come to Hashem with the Shofar and Rosh Hashanah. And there are some prayers who say, see the ashes of Yaakov Avinu. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Give me, I'm, I retract it. Let me start again. <clears throat> I'll start again. We blow the shofar as a zecher to Akedat Yitzhak. Because the shofar represents the ram that Abraham Avinu brought in place of Yitzhak. He was willing to sacrifice his son. And the shofar represents that ayil, that uh, ram that he brought in place of his son. And we ask Hashem to look at the ashes of Yitzhak Avinu. Wait a second. There are no ashes of Yitzhak Avinu. What ashes? Ashes, ashes, they all fall down. No ashes here. <laughs> Why? Because Hashem, as he held the knife in his hand, said, Stop! Stop! And he stopped. So what are you talking about ashes? The answer is, in the world of thought, Abraham Avinu vicariously already went through the whole thing. He was standing there with the knife. In his thought, he was ready, and he went through in his mind the whole thing of slaughtering his son and burning him and was all already done in his mind completely, was 100% committed to it. And therefore, in the world of thought, there is ashes. Just like the world wasn't physically created till Nisan, but the concept was now, the day that is connected to thought process and, and theoretic conception, this is the day we say, oh, in thought, we're in the world of thought now. <laughs> Abraham Avinu's world of thought is that there is ashes. There is ashes of Yitzhak, because in his head, he was committed to burning Yitzhak Avinu and having ashes. Yeah, but it never panned out. He never really burnt him. You're right. But in the world of thought, he did burn it in his, in his head. And since Rosh Hashanah is the day of the conception of the world, the world of thought, we invoke this merit with the uh, Shofar. So because it's the world of thought, the Tzaddikim tells us that on Rosh Hashanah, we have to very, be very careful with our mind on this day. Purity of thought. Think only good thoughts. That means in your mind, you should have faith. In your mind, you should have trust. And you should have only Positive thoughts with e down to every point in your life of kindness and mercy. Meaning, you should be thinking only that Hashem is going to give us a good year. It's going to be a good year physically. It's going to be a good year spiritually. And what's the difference? I'm not even talking to anybody. I can think what I want. If a person wants to be cynical, he could. He could, but he'll ruin things for himself. Think only positive thoughts. Hashem is going to give us a fantastic year with goodness in phys the physical life, with goodness in the spiritual life. Even though it's true that crying has its time and place on Rosh Hashanah, as we explained before, but a person needs to also strengthen himself with great happiness and great tikva and bitahon that Hashem will give us a Shana Torah. On the first day of Rosh Hashanah, 
it's imperative to keep your mouth closed. The first day the Zohar HaKadosh says is Dina Kashya. It's tough judgment. Don't try not to open your mouth. Anything but Torah and Tefillah on the first day. You say it's good Rabot to someone. Okay, you know, not talking about Ta'anid Dibur. I'm talking about being smart and being very careful and very limited as to what you talk about on uh, the day of Rosh Hashanah, especially in Shul. The greater a person is, the more he has to worry about this. On Erev Rosh Hashanah, the day before Rosh Hashanah, is a special day to give a Pidyon. What does Pidyon mean? Pidyon, we know Pidyon means redemption. So too, there's an idea of going to a tzaddik, a person who is a great person, giving him money to make a pidyon for you. So he uses the money, money is given to the, to the rabbi, the person, the tzaddik, for whatever purposes that he wants. When you give this money to a person who has da'at Torah, who has true holy intellect, <clears throat> obviously he has full faith in hashkaha peratit, without any uh, funny stuff. Adam Gadol, really great person. Erev Rosh Hashanah, it's altogether fitting and proper if you can find such a person to give on Pidyon. goes without saying that before the uh, Yom Hadin, we're supposed to give Tzedakah, but specifically, Erev Rosh Hashanah, it is fitting to give a Pidyon to a great person uh, if you have such a person available. If not, I guess you could put it aside and hope for the best that uh, you're going to find someone like that to make a pidyon for you. But at any rate, the laws of, of the Rosh Hashanah and the prayers are many and varied. We don't have time to go through all of the issues. Just a very famous thing, which is very, very easy to make a mistake, mistake in, is Amelech HaKadosh and Amelech HaMishpat. These two are imperative to remember during the Amidah. And since we're used to all years saying HaKel HaKadosh instead of HaMelech HaKadosh and HaMelech HaMishpat instead of Melech Oheb Tzedakah HaMishpat, it is a serious issue when we mess up. Because you use the two-second rule. If you say HaKel HaKadosh, you have two seconds to fix approximately. The time it says to say Shalom Alecha Rabbi Umori. More than two seconds, you're cooked. Go back to the beginning of the Amidah. And this two-second rule also applies to Melech Oheb Tzedakah Mishpat. Now here's the quagmire. Melech Oheb Tzedakah Mishpat, you have the opinion of Acham Avadiyah Yosef, who says that if you said Melech Oheb Tzedakah Mishpat instead of HaMelech Mishpat, even though you said the word Melech, you have to repeat the Amidah. In our community, most do not follow this opinion, unless you follow Hacham Ovadiyah in everything, and you should follow him in this too. The prevalent custom is because of Safek Benachot Lehakel, to be Mahmir for the opinion of Muram, that since you said the word Melech, after the fact, you don't have to repeat the Amidah. Most people follow that Psaq, which is not like Hacham Ovadiyah Yosef, who has to repeat it. Whatever you do, you realize that you need to be super careful and slow down in your prayers is during the Aseret Emet Teshuvah, and that's what it's all about, to slow down in the prayers and realize that we have a lot to do. Listen, there's a lot to talk about, there's a lot to do, but we can't cover all the bases. We just would like to take this opportunity to say, shana All the year, with its, the year with its curses should end. 
Tahel Shana Uberchoteha. The new year should begin with its blessings, a positive attitude, a happy disposition, and yet a fear and a trepidation of the judgment is not a contradiction at all.